Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Tonight's guest is someone rather different. He's a high-performance coach, but actually started life out as an elite athlete but before that growing up as a child he wouldn't he was never sort of expected to um, become an elite athlete in fact I understand suffered quite badly with asthma and could barely run 100 yards so um, only became um, a runner on the suggestion of his father and um, yeah which is quite an impressive feat to then go on and actually end up training with the world record holder Samo Farah I believe he's record holder, isn't it? Yeah, and he's an incredible character, and um, and you were his um, his training partner for a while. Gone on and become a high performance coach, encourage getting people to um, get well, race through their um, scaling of their businesses, and also a champion of women in business and equal opportunities, which is fantastic. Now, this man has interviewed a whole range of A-listers and been on the front cover of far too many um, magazines for me to count, but Forbes included, I believe. Um, and yeah, one of the people that you've inter- interviewed is actually John Travolta. So please give a very warm welcome to tonight's guest, Adam Strong. And according to his um, his banner, aka the Game Changer, which is... Uh... Right, Adam, <laughs> take us back to your childhood so you start being an entrepreneur at about the age of 11 when did the running come in was that after the entrepreneurial pursuits or believe it or not it was actually the same time Uh, (laughs) so 11 was a bit like a midlife crisis right (laughs) my midlife crisis came much earlier on uh, rather than kind of your average sort of 40 to 50 year old Uh, mine came at 11 and it was purely down to a few life events, uh, which really changed me as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so lost my hair through alopecia, through stress and worry, um, got sort of shifted uh, into foster care and things like that. Oh and um, 
yeah, you know, like bullying when you're when you're younger, and um, most people have experienced bullying as well. And uh, you know, just for me, I, I was a bit of an introvert when I was younger. To be quite honest, you know, my mm -hmm. my confidence wasn't particularly high, uh, yeah. purely because of the life events and sort of a bit like being in a boxing ring. Really, you know, you take a few hits to the to the ribs yeah. and stuff like that, and it, that's kind of how it felt, really. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, so 11 was a, a really interesting age. And, you know, it's when you start going through, you know, sort of your changes anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you can and you can really start to see world in a slightly different perceptional way. Yeah. Um, me, I wasn't or I try to not really judge myself against other people. That wasn't really me because I was yeah. a very introverted person. But, um, yeah, I mean, entrepreneurism was always uh, it was in my lifeblood from the age of 11. Uh, so I think when you grow up in a in a an environment of um, a lack, almost a lack of money, I think sometimes that can spark. Do you would you agree the the whole entrepreneurial? Mindset? Yeah, I mean it can make or break you. I mean for mm. me, I mean we had to be resourceful, you know, yeah. and it's a bit like uh, entrepreneurship today. You know, you need so, a lot of so so many businesses try to start up a business on the shoestring budget. It's exactly yeah. the same principle right mm -hmm. it's it's tough like really tough yeah um but for me being an 11 year old um you know yes we grew up it was me and my brother my mom was a single mom at the time suffering from mental depression mental health issues uh couldn't really work so we lived off the state on a yeah. top floor flat council estate that's effectively our name uh and you know at christmas well we used to go to school uh, you know, all the kids would have their Christmas lists and Santa Claus would bring, you know, their Christmas presents and whatever it is. That wasn't the case for us. We had to yeah. share Christmas presents. And that's how mm -hmm. tough, you know, life was. And, but you know what? We were happy or we try yeah. to be generally happy. Um, yeah. You know, and money isn't money wasn't everything to us back in the day. You just have to be resourceful. So yeah. one of the things that we did, well, I did specifically, and as I was, like I said, I was very introverted when I was at the age of 11. Um, going through those life changes, I was just kind of out walking one day and, and I just appeared out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. These golf balls in rivers and streams, right? And I was just like, well, where did these come from? And then I just continued yeah. to walk through the woods and obviously this, not know, no, not knowing that there was a golf course right next to the actual nature reserve. I thought, okay, well, that's two and two together. Yeah. So next day I went back. This was at the weekend, of course. I went back and I I, I jumped into those rivers and streams, started foraging through all the bushes, and mm -hmm. started collecting and finding these lost golf balls. Um, so effectively, that's what I did. And 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 I went back with a bucket. I didn't even have money for Wellington boots or anything. I just literally just bare feet in, came wow. up to like knee to waist height, whatever it is, and go through the stinging nettles. You know how it is. Um, yeah. And then. And then, you know, and then golfers, which would generally be sort of average age of over the 65, because it was one of those clubs which would, you know, would, add, you know, sort of attract the types of people with a slightly yeah. elder, mature mm -hmm. age group, would see me walking around the fairway. And, you know, they would kind of run up and say, more kind of, you know, they'd be really concerned about my safety, about the fact that they didn't want to hit an 11 year old boy in the head with a golf ball. <laughs> so um so that was kind of um interesting but when they did come over they were intrigued to find what i was doing and i was carrying a bucket around and yeah. they saw that i had golf balls and and i was and they were like so what are you doing and i'm like well 
I'm finding your lost golf balls. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And I remember one of the very first conversations we had, actually. Uh, one, there was, uh, there were a group of four, I think it was, uh, mm-hmm. sort of men or whatever it was. And they were about, there were about five holes because it was an 18-holer. Yeah. And, there's not, and if you're a golfer, I don't know if any of your listeners are golfers, but mm-hmm. if you've got five holes left and you've only got about one ball left, you're panicking. You're thinking, I can't let this person beat me. So mm-hmm. then so then you're thinking to yourself, oh, right. Then they started making me offers on my golf balls because they, <laughs> they were really impressed with some of the golf balls that I picked up. I picked like a Dunlop and a Slazenger and Nike. And these are like premium brands. Yeah. And then, and then what would happen is then we would go into a sales negotiation. Well, I'd start, I'd wow. start, I'd, they'd start offering me uh, X amount of pounds, so like three, four pounds for a golf ball. And I'd be like, well, I know this golf ball brand new is worth 12. So why don't we, why don't we hit him with about five, five pounds? And, and, oh and believe it or not, we, you know, so it, it was kind of being cheeky to be kind, but yeah. in fairness, I was actually doing them a favor and they doing <laughs> me a favor. So the very first time that we, that I did this, actually, I, I actually went home with literally, uh, my 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 uh my pockets full of pound coins right, and uh yeah. and my mum was like where did you get this money from it was like did you steal this money type of thing you know yeah. and and i told her the story and she was so proud of me and i obviously gave her some money towards groceries and yeah. kind of kept the savings and stuff so yeah you know th- that was for me that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship but yeah. you know it just in that first uh episode yeah, I, suppose I love the cheekiness of it and negotiating at the age of 11. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, you know, what have you got to lose? It's the same in yeah. any everyday principle, right? If you go yeah. to a market, if you go to a shop and you see the full price of, of something, right? Yeah. Hey, you could turn And even with a car, like many of you guys, a lot of people get intimidated or they, they feel mm-hmm. like they shouldn't do those things. But actually, yeah. do you know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. Well, exactly. Yeah. No, I, right. I love it. I think it's 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 great. So, so um, what, how old were you when you were taken into foster care? Was this before or after this sort of eleven-year-old? Yeah, slightly before. So ten years old. Oh. Right. Okay. And then yeah. you're back with your mum, which must have been great. Yeah, about a year later, exactly. Yep. Right. Yeah. And then um, where? So, and at that time, when did the running come in? How did that actually transpire? Same age, 11, 11 years old, believe it or not. Right, so, yeah. So um, what I was going to say, so through encouragement of my of my dad, who yeah. had got to running it slightly a, couple, a few years before, he was mm-hmm. like, well, why don't you try some running? It might sort of help you with boost your confidence and stuff. And I was a bit reluctant, but, you know, my, 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 my parents were separated from a very young age anyway. So my very first encounter at the running track actually was, going down to the athletics track myself because I never really had that support around me. I didn't have mentors. I didn't have no. support in loving, uh, should we say, circles of family or friends. I just did everything myself. So yeah. went down the running track myself uh, at the age of 11. Um, and that I remember this. Guts. At does. the age of 11, to go off on your own down to the running track. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the end, at the end of the day, you know, I was always willing to try new things. I wasn't yeah. afraid of trying new things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I remember going to the athletics track first time and this, la this lady appeared over this big sort of counter. Now, I wasn't the tallest person at, at the age of 11. And she appeared yeah. over there and she's like, oh, I didn't see you there. I was like, yeah, um, how can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in, in potentially joining the athletics uh, club. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. What experiences have you got? And I'm like, zero. Um, <laughs> and then she's like, well, what do you want to get into? I was like, well, maybe distance running, a bit of cross country. And she's like, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, she's, so she walks me down to the athletics track. Mm -hmm. And then she started talking to me. Yeah. And she was like, so, so you've got no experience. Is there anything else that I need to know? And I was like, yeah, I'm an asthma sufferer. She went, what? You're an asthma sufferer? She said, I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, and, and asthma was kind of on and off for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but when I, when I first started, and it's interesting, when I first walked down to that athletics track and I saw these athletes, mm -hmm. maybe some of them have been training for years, right? I started yeah. comparing myself to those athletes about where right. I was. I just thought, you know yeah. what, this is, this is I'm completely out of a different league. These people are on a different planet. Mm -hmm. And I'm already thinking about quitting before I even started. Right. And then I think, but then I'm thinking to myself, you know what, what's, what's what's the what's the point in that right i haven't even yeah. started how do i know if i'm any good at something unless i try things right like it's a bit like dipping your toe in warm cold water right you don't really know or venturing yeah. into something where you're kind of like you know you've got your comfort zone you're really not going to know how to get out of the comfort zone unless you actually try it does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah uh, certainly does so uh so this is where i met my my first coach and right. uh, and also my, my former training partner, who Mo Farah, who you'll know, uh, yeah. current World Olympic champion. This is where we met together, actually. He's originally from Somalia, yeah. um, came to the UK to get away from war, of course, and uh, mm -hmm. separated, uh, was yeah. living with his aunt. Um, and similar backgrounds, really. He lacked yeah. a lot of confidence, lacked English. I lacked confidence through my life-changing events. But yeah. eventually, so what, what happened? the same age? You too. About same age, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was about a year younger than me. Okay, right. About and this year, is maybe in London. Was this yes, in London? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So which which athletics club was this? Well, it doesn't exist anymore, but it was called oh. Hounslow Athletics Track. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that West. Like West London. Yeah, it's West London exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and this is where we we met, and uh, we effectively, uh, you know, used each other's, um, I suppose. I wouldn't say weaknesses because they weren't really a weakness, but yeah. I suppose our downfalls as yeah. as a way to compete against each other, to jeer on each other on. And, you know, while all the other kids were playing video games uh, yeah. and we were out slogging our guts on a Thursday evening, minus four yeah. temperature on an eight o'clock in, in a Thursday. So that kind of gives some context, really. Um, yeah. But, you know, when I first started off running, I could barely run 100 meters without having sort of a, a hyperventilation, if you like, attack. Right. Um, yeah. But then within six months, my asthma had completely disappeared. Wow, that's impressive. Actually, I was a, an asthma sufferer as well from a tiny baby. It was basically stress-related and common cold. And the doctor at the time um, actually said to my mother, he said, just get her swimming. Make sure she swims all her life and things. So, um, yeah, so I swam and we were yeah but it's interesting actually because we didn't have a lot of money I mean if you look at my childhood you'd say I I mean I was you'd say I was very privileged I went to private school and we had ponies and stuff like that however my parents were incredibly resourceful 
So at one point we went to live overseas so that my brother could um, go to boarding school back in the UK because the company that they worked for, my father worked for paid the school fees. <laughs> And then my mother got a job in the school um, that we ultimately went to for a bit so that, again, we got huge discounts on the school fees. And the ponies we had, well, they were either on loan to us, a lot of them, and then they were rejects, um, sort of problem ponies that we used to bring on, or they were... Um, yeah, just they were just basically problem ponies. One of them that my parents actually bought, they bought for £50. It was going to the meat market. Oh, my goodness. It was barely even broken in. And uh, and then the neighbour, a farmer, he had a, a crew yard of horses and he had a, a, um, a groom and she had Sundays off. And in re so my brother and I, we, I was about nine, so my brother was 12. We used to do the groom's job on a Sunday <laughs> In return, we got a field, a stable, and hay and straw for our ponies. Fantastic. <laughs> and one field a day. So it's incredible what you learn to do when you focus your mind and you actually really want it and you just go out and you're determined. So, um, and yep, and I used to be up at half past five in the morning, come rain, shine, middle of winter, whatever the temperature, riding my pony in the dark <laughs> or mucking them out or whatever so I can totally identify but completely I mean mine was a very privileged sort of existence and yours was um, leading you to incredible um, resourcefulness absolutely yeah, yeah. so um, yeah so sorry to have butted in there but it, it, it I think it's just it is so wonderful how people's journeys can look so different on the face of things but actually are running in sort of a parallel universe 100 mm, percent. yeah so so um so what sort of level did you get at with your elite sport i mean what is the definition of an elite sport well for me we got i got to national level so right. you know uh there's different levels in in athletics the same yeah. same with anything you can get to uh you can get you can represent your school, you can get to county level, you can get to national level. So there's not about three or four different levels, depending on the sport, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and did that help you getting into university, do you think? Because you then went on to uni. Did you go straight from school to uni or did you do something else in between? Uh well, school, college and university, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that that's that's what that's what that's what I followed. Yeah, exactly. And you did sports science at uni, so you were obviously really into your whole athletics. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, the whole discipline of the athletics. I mean, you obviously you've just said basically you started in the um, you were doing it in the winter on a on a, on a cold, wet, windy Thursday evening. Absolutely. <laughs> and your distance. How far did you use to run? Well. Typically, I, I liked running the sort of 10-miler. Those were the kind of distances that I liked, really. Right. Um, so, you know, for a, young, for a young person, you know, 10 miles, 6 miles, pretty pretty long distances. Yes. Yeah, that is. Uh, that is a hell of a long distance. So, um, yeah, it's uh, – and, and so you were – obviously, just – do you think the fact that you had this little training buddy in Mo – 
actually help determine what you were going to do or did you sort of feed off each other because I mean when kids are friends they tend to want to do what their friend's doing don't they mm. uh, I think for me um, even though we didn't go to the same school yeah. uh, one of the things I learned from from athletics is being able to apply habits yeah. um, and principles of mm -hmm. high elite sport and being able yeah. to effectively bring that into later on in life, which is effectively what we do in our business and yeah. um, in, in, in what we do in our international consultancy. So, um, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a few people out there that already transition from uh, elite sport into running their own business, for example, yes. you know, yeah. um, we, 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 we do exactly that in a nutshell. Um, yeah. but just with a slightly different angle. Yeah. No, so um, what is your sort of angle? How do you, what, what's, how do you coach your clients, basically? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so we only work with established business owners. So we don't work with these startup companies. Right. It's not really, it's not really um, our specialism. So we mainly no. work with the existing business owners. Mm -hmm. um, or entrepreneurs uh, that have got yeah. sort of a few years behind their belt, essentially, essentially, because one of the key core fundamentals in running any business is obviously mindset. You've got yeah. to make sure that you've conditioned your mindset. Um, yeah. And um, our, our biggest problem for a lot of people in what we found is, mm -hmm. and you may you may have experienced this before in your own business, is when when you get stuck. So you mm -hmm. get to a point in your business where you plateau. Yeah. Right. Okay, and what tends to happen when you tend what what tends to happen with our clients is they're mm -hmm. normally at capacity, so they're yeah. normally at about eighty percent plus capacity. Yeah. They plateau, so their growth isn't is is is, is flat level. Yeah, and then and then they get stuck for months or years, and they're mm -hmm. not sure about how to take things to the next level. So yeah. it might be that they need a systemize. It might be that they need to bring in more people. It might be yeah. that they need to bring in. They might need to be in some new things, uh, yes. you know, just a slightly different perspective that can help mm -hmm. them get back into growth mode. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So you you help them determine where they need to go next. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I can I remember that I, I used to have a beauty salon and um, and we hit sort of a plateau and it was like and although it was interesting actually because I read the e myth years ago, but you just you get, yeah, <laughs> you just get to this point in your own business and suddenly you seem to forget some of those things and you plateau and you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? What's going on? And I and you get a coach and then they point you back and you think, Dominic, I read that ten years ago, but you've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I'm old. Yeah, I've been around quite a long time. And uh, and then you take the coach and boom, you're off flying again. And it's so wonderful, isn't it? You must get some, it must be incredibly re um, rewarding what you're doing. 100%. I, I, I would never change it for the world, if I'm honest with no. you. You know, yeah. and one, one thing I've really learned is making sure that you're aware of your strengths and you delegate yeah. your weaknesses. Yes. Because perceptual, what I call perceptual awareness of mm -hmm. of what is happening with so, so normally the biggest bottleneck in any business is the individual that runs it yeah. that's normally the biggest bottleneck right so we yeah. all know that right but yeah. being able to actually take responsibility and accountability about how to make move forward it's a completely different ball game yeah um and so you know and it's all 
me it's all easier said than done right me t- telling telling you guys to do this right but in reality yeah. in yeah. uh in principle it's not that very not that easy you know yeah. uh, one yeah. of my clients uh, uh is a bit of a control freak for example and uh and and i just said do you know what just let it go just yeah. let it go you've got to yeah. learn to let go because if you continue to hold on and yeah. we, it's the same with anything. If you run a business or you build a business from scratch, right, and you yeah. put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, right, yeah. and then you've got to get to the point where you've got to start letting go and start to uh, give responsibility uh, to other people, right, yeah. it then is a whole new ball game because it's like, oh, my God, this is this is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. It's, yeah. a, bit like, it's a bit like when you've got kids, yeah. right, and you don't want them to grow up. Right, <laughs> but the problem, but do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I don't want them. To, uh, no, I don't want them. Uh, I don't. No, do you know what I mean? It's one of those things. Not, and listen, I know because I've got. I'm a parent. I've got four kids, yeah. so I'm going through those transitional phases right now. Yeah, yes, I know. I it's. I've got a son as well. He's 23, and I've been so so lucky because of the whole COVID thing. He's actually been with me for an extra 18 months that I didn't ever expect to have. But um, wow. and it, but it is so hard to just let them go and make their own mistakes as well. But but going back to this whole thing about with the entrepreneurial world and the people that you're working with, generally speaking, we are a pretty controlling sort of bunch of people. If you were giving, you work with people who are already established, so they've already got their sort of their whole rigidity and way of doing things. But I'm just thinking back to my journey. And so when I first left uni, I worked in the family business. Now, it was only a, um, a very small, it was my father, and then he had a team of about 10 girls and replace them as quick, as often as he could with machines, actually. So he tried to be automated. But he wasn't into paperwork. He wasn't into systems and stuff like that. I came in fresh out of uni, and we decided we'd go down the ISO 9000 route. Now, at the particular time, I couldn't see the point in writing out all these flipping systems telling me what I had to do. However, <laughs> that period of the business was absolutely fantastic because I did create the systems I didn't like having to do them in the format for ISO 9000 but actually creating the system meant that the business went from a loss making position to in two years so we went from turnover of around about 16,000 pounds a month now this is back in 1991 yep to a turnover of around about 60 to 75,000 pounds a month that's a big jump it is a big jump back in those days, particularly, um, and things. And it was just because we got control of the numbers and we had systems in place. Now, I only stayed for two years. I then went off backpacking. And, you know, it was easy for me to delegate to somebody else to say, right, OK, come in. You can do that bit because I really don't like writing these systems for ISO 9000. <laughs> it's not my specialty. I'm better on coming up with other systems on how to make the business work. You can then translate them into. But it also then meant that when we when I moved on to go backpacking, that whole the business was in place. Now. I then had a beauty salon later on. And once again, I didn't you just grows up higgledy piggledy and you're doing everything. And then you get the business coach and it's like. 
create those systems again. So what advice would you give to somebody who's coming in where you are seeing where they're at and what they need to do and it, how hard it is for them to break those reins of control? What would your advice be to people starting out? Well, for startup companies, <clears throat> first thing before anything else is to really get your core foundations right. Yeah. What I mean by that. So when I say core foundations, so there's a few you could you could write this down as a checklist if you wish to i would mm -hmm. highly advise it but one of the things that i would really really start from from core foundation that like when you start with uh with any house for example when you're building mm -hmm. is establishing what your vision your mission and your core values are yeah those are 100 uh they, they're gonna they're gonna pay dividends down the line yeah mm -hmm. so that's the first thing secondly um uh is you know what is who's your ideal avatar right what who is your ideal avatar what what who specifically is your ideal avatar who do you like to work with you know like when i say specifically i use i i call it the best friend case scenario so most people have got either a good friend or a best friend in their life yeah. you generally know most things about that best friend mm -hmm. you know yes apart from the basics of knowing their age and, and so forth and when their yeah. birthday is, you know, you know about their core values, you know, why you like them, why you dislike mm -hmm. them, you know, uh, what their habits, their routines are, you know, everything about that best friend, right? Yeah. Everything that you know about your best friend is what you need to know about your ideal avatar, right? That because really essentially, it. You know, so so if you if you know more about your avatar, and it's one of the things that we do with our clients, I get our clients to go to Google and find an image which relates to your ideal avatar. Yeah. It's like, and one of our one of our clients, believe it or not, she she what she did, she printed out multiple copies of her, of uh, of their ideal client, put them around the house. And it looked like the client was actually looking at that <laughs> at them, right? So every time that they were having a conversation or, or speaking to their subconscious, it's like yeah. they're consistently being looked at. So one of our guys who's a copyright, believe it or not, he yeah. has been procrastinating on building his online course uh, on copyright. And I was like, okay, so he didn't have an ideal avatar. So we got yeah. him to do it, got to do yeah. the printout. And now I said to him, I said, now you've got to think that those eyes are looking at you. They've already paid for their course. And the sense of urgency has gone from zero to a, at least 100%. That's so do you want to let these people down? So that's how you I speed. You know, you, you know what I mean? You, you, this is how you speed up implementation, right? If people yeah. have already paid for your stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. And you've got eyes looking at you, right? You're going to, every time you walk past that, that image, you're going to yeah. feel guilty and you think, shit, I need to go back to the computer. I need to go, I need to go work on that right? straight yeah. away, right? So that's going to yeah. really help you. So that's number two. Number yeah. three, you need, to, you need to make sure that you really are, really know what their core problems are. What's their big pain points? What's their mistakes? What's their problems, right? Because the more that you know about your, your ideal avatar and how yeah. you can be a solution finder, not a problem yeah. solver, but a solution finder, yeah. Yeah. the quicker you can make money. How I do you recommend that... your clients actually find out what their um, their their ideal avatar's core problems are? Because we can all we all sort of think, oh, I know what their core problems are, but how do it's ha the language they use, isn't it? That's key to it. 
Well, yes and no. So, automatically, so I, t- I tell you a personal story, right? So yeah. when I first got into entrepreneurship, I automatically assumed what I thought my clients' problems were, right? Yeah. Biggest mistake in the world because then I started creating productization or creating a, a, a productization model, which yeah. was not related to them. They didn't understand that. They were like, why the hell is this guy creating this stuff and i don't want it right yeah so one of the biggest mistakes is that people can make is creating a product automatically assuming someone's problem and guess what they have zero clients or customers exactly so so what you need to do is you need to think about it from a perspective of not why people buy but why people don't buy Right. It's because you don't understand me. It's because you don't communicate to me in the right way. It's because you're not hanging on the right social media channels. It's because you don't go to the right associations, go to the right places. You're not here on the right times of the day. It's those things that you really need to take into consideration. It's those little tiny intricacies. So how do you recommend people find that sort of stuff out? Yeah, great question. So (laughs) so if I so if I wanted to target specifically, say I wanted to target, I don't know. Uh, say, uh, say mums between the ages of 35 and 45, just randomly putting something out there, right? Yeah. So I know specifically that they're probably going to be generally busy during the day. So they're probably going to be more active in the morning or in the evening. Okay. I'm going to now target, depending on what profession that I, so I could go after, say, professional women that work in the city, for example. I know for a fact that I now need to go, they'll target on LinkedIn. So I might create some polls. I might, do some articles i'm going to create some content and send yeah. it to them and say hey so listen i'm doing some market research yeah. and i'm thinking and, and, and the idea here is to create conversations so yeah. sales conversations are two completely different things right yeah the goal to networking and building relationship relational capital is not to sell them the yeah. goal is to create a relationship build rapport build trust because currency of today is trust and trust is the number one currency yeah. of today and so that's what you've got to learn to do and then once you've established that once you've found out from them from the horse's mouth through polls through uh through conversations um it could be through you know what we're doing right now yeah. right so having conversations with your with you guys that are in your tribe it could yeah. be say hey so i'd love to get your feedback on here people love giving their own opinions they love yeah. it right yeah so so that to me the more market research that you do the better Mm -hmm. that you're going to be more prepared and the other thing as well and this is really really important one thing that everyone needs to take into consideration is the quicker you fail the faster you will succeed so because that embrace failure because it is a learning curve yeah no, fastest is it. I, I love that. And I agree wholeheartedly with all of those. So, um, so yeah, so you get your market research, you do, you understand then. And you actually get then the language that they're using as well, don't you? Correct. Absolutely. So you start speaking, yeah. you start speaking in a language that they understand. So each <laughs> client, each yeah. client um, is going to have a particular... I suppose a, a particular way that you can communicate with them, yeah. a, a particular way. So not everyone is going to be, um, not everyone is going to be attracted to me. And guess what? I'm okay with that. Personally, I don't give a shit, but that's just me. And so, 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 and that's the thing, like, as long as you are showing up, 
you know, yeah. based on your core values with love, authenticity, alignment, and people that yeah. love you for who you stand for, you don't need to compare yourself to other people. You don't need to worry about pleasing other people. No. Just be you because people yes. will love you for being you. Yeah. And, um, yes, and that is people buy from people. It's, sorry, my dog is um, deciding yeah, she fine. wants to be as well. But it's um, people buy, obviously, they buy from people and, and things. But it's also using, it's the terminology that people use as well. It's understanding. Do they call their clients clients or do they call them customers Do they or students or how do they refer to themselves uh, and so it really how deep do you go well i go as deep as possible because the yeah. more that you understand your clients or your yeah. customers or whatever it is now there are a big difference between clients and customers uh, i'm sure just just to establish customers normally buy one time clients generally buy over and over and over and over again okay Yep. So there's longevity in the relationship. So if I if I'm a travel agent and I sell flight tickets, probably it's a customer that's buying flight tickets, right? Yeah. Or travel insurance or whatever it is. But if I uh, if uh, if I'm working with a client who uh, wants me for business consultancy, then generally yeah. the client because it's it's it, the results and over time. Does that make sense? I, yeah. No, that does make sense. And, and it's interesting. And it's it is really interesting learning the terminology and the dip, the nuances of what people are, are saying and, and how they are and things. Now, one thing that I've, that we've noticed with you, and I mentioned just a tiny bit in the intro was the fact that you have interviewed so many of these A-lister stars, people like John Travolta and well, now my brain's gone completely blank. Because <laughs> I'm thinking back to when I was about 11 years or 10 years old and Greece was out. <laughs> John Travolta so he stands in your mind how what I mean he's not in this sort of entrepreneurial world as as such he's in a completely different league to us what do you learn from doing those interviews yeah that's a good question so uh, with successful people right so yeah and with John Travolta I just quickly uh correct you I shared the same stage with him so I was, okay, so I was speaking on the same stage so it's all good yeah. but you know, so for me, I love to learn from people that are more successful from me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I've got a podcast, which you'll know about, called The Game Changers Experience. Yeah. And on there, I tell you what, over the last weeks, we've been running this, over, we've got now 110 episodes. Wow. We do two two sessions a week. Um, yeah. One's an interview and normally one's a, sort of a solo episode or whatever it is. But mm-hmm. all the interviews that we do or what I do, I just enjoy and have fun. Make sure you're prepared and things like that. But don't treat these people as any different from yourself, right? Because at the end of the day, the only difference between me and John Travolta is that John Travolta is known known for Hollywood and Greece and all the movies and whatever it is. But actually what you don't know about John Travolta is that he's a pilot. He's actually very entrepreneurial. He's actually invested in a number of fintech and technology-based businesses that he's an entrepreneur. Okay, so do you think he would have been that way had he not become so sort of successful as a film star? Or do you think, and do you think, I mean, it's a bit like footballers, for example, who, I mean, I know a lot more of them are becoming sort of more academic these days and they're encouraged to, but historically they they had a one-track mind on football. And, 
And so, so many of them lost their money and now they're being coached in what to do with their money so that they don't have, they don't sort of have it and lose it all in um, in two mm. seconds. Do you think that that's John Travolta has almost been schooled into becoming a an entrepreneur? Um, in a way, yes or no. I think from my perspective, I mean, I can't speak for John, no. but from the people that I've interviewed, yeah. um, whether it be Marshall Goldsmith, whether it be Dr. John D. Martini, whoever it might be, at the yeah. end of the day, there's a there's a certain pattern that all of these people um, actually move, mm -hmm. and what it is so so the per, the pattern that they use is they are always learning so if you're yeah. not learning you're dying it's as simple as yeah. that right you're learning yeah. growing every day um and the and the there's another thing that i've learned especially over the last sort of couple of years in particular is that the more that you serve people and when i say serve people i don't mean i mean i'm talking about in the being a restaurant yeah. serve people but yeah. i mean serve people with value yeah. Right. The more that the universe rewards you. Yeah. Now, power of manifestations, the secret, you probably read that, watched that, whatever it might be. These things are true. I never believed in it. But but the last couple of years, honestly, I can safely say yeah. more things have come to me over the last two years than they have done in my entire career. All because my mindset. Yeah. Number one. Number yeah. two. Um, my belief is, is that you, you, the power of association, the more that you hang around with successful people, the more that you learn from them. Yeah. So that, and I'm a big believer in that you become, you become the five most common people you hang around with. So you, if you want to be a broke person, go hang around with broke people. If you want to be a successful yeah. people, you're successful people, right? Exactly. It's not rocket science. But yeah. all that it's does the whole minds, it's the whole mastermind thing of sort of Napoleon Hill and think and grow rich as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, that, that, that was a great book. I mean, uh, you could read that over and over again, but what, yes, one of the, yeah, one of the things, I mean, one of the things that really drives me insane, especially with people that continue to learn and we've become sponges, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, we can always become very overwhelmed as well. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. with too much learning and whatever it is, what I'm yeah. a big believer is, is that if you learn something, whether it be a skill, whether it be a habit, it be a routine, yeah. whatever it might be, is practical application. The proof is in the yeah. pudding by taking action. So I yeah. love it when people get on a call with me and they're like, oh, so I've got this and I've got this, I've got this. Okay, prove it. Where's the results? Yeah. You're telling me all this stuff. Where's the yeah. results, right? Yeah. And so they're all mouth and no action type of thing. For me, I'm an action yeah. taker. And okay. so so for me, you know, and, and like I said, the way that I'm wired is very different from other people, right? Just because yeah. I'm an action taker doesn't mean that it's right for everybody. No. Um, but, you know, like I said, we're all at different, different paths. We all have different personalities and we all have to, um, we all have to, uh, you know, we all have to be conscientious, like I said, perceptually aware about what our strengths are. Yeah. And the other thing is that working with people, acting as a coach for one person, do you find that you actually learn as much from them as they learn from you? Again, it depends on the interview. Uh, yeah. Yes and no. Uh, I yeah. always like, even if I pick up a golden nugget from somebody, yeah. then guess what? It was, it, it, I say it was a successful interview. But in yeah. most of the circumstances, like for me, I, I'm very particular. Uh, right. and, and again, this is not from an ego perspective. No. I know specifically who I like to speak to, the types of yeah. personalities. I like to, 
for me, I, I, I'm, I'm also like to learn, right? I like to mm -hmm. learn from people that are better than me, that I know yeah. that can do things more efficiently than me, yeah. that are more successful than me. Because the more that I learn from them, the more that I become successful in my mindset, but also in everything yeah. that I do in life. Exactly. But it's, it, it doesn't have to be um, that they're more successful in every aspect of the life. It can just be one area that you feel that you need building up and nurturing. Correct. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, which is what I absolutely love, and it's it's that whole thing that you you can. It doesn't matter who you speak to, you can learn. So you can learn. You can learn from a complete newbie into the whole entrepreneurial world because they're coming at it with a completely fresh set of eyes, and and they haven't. Yeah, I just I I absolutely love hanging around people because they're so excited. They're new. They're and and especially if they've had no knockback so far, then it's that learned behaviour of, oh, you, you learn to become slightly more fearful later on. However, you also can flip that on its head. The more failures you have, the more resilient you know you, you are. True. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. True. Yeah. It's not how many times you fall over, it's how many times you get back up and things. But I would actually just like to ask, how do you – manage to get to interview these people like john d martini it's very well that, that's a that's a good question so a lot of people will be like well and i get this question quite a lot yeah because everyone do. everyone would love the everyone love love the opportunity to interview d martini or or olympic athletes or whatever it is yeah at the end of the day you have to ask the question yeah yeah for me, I'm all, all big into collaboration. So I love yeah. to collaborate with people. Yeah. I've got a big vision. So I sell them on my vision, first of all, right? Yeah. People don't, people buy people. Yeah. So um, I know for a fact that what Google says about me, what social media says about me, what, what my LinkedIn profile says about me has a reflection about what I do and show up in life, right? Yeah. And if there's an incongruence, then guess what? Mm -hmm. It's not going to go. Yeah. So and here's the thing, like, I've put on virtual conferences and virtual summits. I've got people on my podcast, and most of these people, they normally, you would pay these people, like, yes. tens of thousands of pounds, yeah. you know, for them to do these things. And most of the time, I would probably say 99% of the time, I get them complimentary because they buy into me first. Yeah, yeah. No, that's Does that makes sense? Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. So, so when people come to me and they approach, I get so many people, by the way, at least twice daily. You say, "Oh, like I love your podcast. Oh, I was listening to this particular episode. Oh, I'd love to come onto your podcast. This is what we're going to talk to, talk about." Bing debate. Because for yeah. me, that is, that comes from a place of ego, right? Yeah. Anyone could say to me, "Oh, I love the podcast. Great. What do you love about my podcast? Did you leave a review? Did you, so? You, so yeah. you, if you want to, if you really want to." Uh, was going to say, you know, um, associate yourself with people that are sort of what I call higher up in the food chain, if you like, yeah. you, you want to call it like that, or people that are more successful than you, you've yeah. really got to, especially if you, it's always good to ask if there's uh, an introduction. So yeah. all of these connections come from introductions, right? Yeah. I'll ask, hey, so mm -hmm. do you know of anyone that, do you know, I'm looking for a certain particular personality that would like to be part of this vision. 
great yeah. i have someone for you fantastic and then they interview and then they then they recommend me so yeah. all of these all of these and they and sometimes it takes months it can take years to get to you know mm -hmm. really core cool people you know yeah yes. but so yeah. that it, was kind of, whole thing of asking isn't it you have to ask if you don't ask the answer will always be no exactly you just have to put it out there as well and absolutely and, Absolutely. And as you say, that whole visualization and manifestation. 100%. It works down to a T, you know, and, yeah. and selling your vision because the more that, you know, and I'll give you a really good, good example of this because you, yeah. you probably, your listeners are probably waiting in anticipation. Last year, back in March, which was around pandemics, COVID yeah. times, we decided when everyone was in a state of fear, uh, yeah. And in a state of insecurity and uh, people that were scared about their businesses, yeah, we were thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity. Why? Yeah. So I created this vision of, okay, let's take our crowd, our tribe, our audience yeah. to a place of safety and security. Yeah. Right. How's that going to make people feel? It's going to make them feel a lot better about themselves than it is now, right? Yeah. So I sold that vision about helping mm -hmm. 100,000 entrepreneurs from around the world to do exactly that. Wow. Then I reached yeah. out to my network, which is yeah. I've got a strong network in, in uh, LinkedIn in particular. And yeah. I got 31 of the most industry, the, the 31 of the world's game-changing world industry change makers. Uh, and I approached them with that vision. And yeah. every single one of them bought into it. They're like, what do you need? What wow, do you that's, need? That's an impressive um, result that they all bought into it. They all bought into it because, again, they bought into my energy, my enthusiasm. They yeah. bought into the fact that I'm doing something of service without. And and here's the thing: the the event was free. Wow! It didn't it was completely for free? Like, yeah. Literally, people could get access to these speakers which if it was a live event would have cost 10 million pounds. Yes, okay? exactly. Yeah. And would have taken years to all get it organized. Yeah. So with getting all of these people together um, yeah. in a space of seven weeks for the turnaround time as well was yeah. absolutely um, That insane. is so impressive. Yeah, seven weeks and getting them all in one, in one place, one virtual place at the same sort of time. That is, Correct. yeah, that must have been quite a logistical nightmare. Yes and no. It uh, somehow it was it was it was all pre-recorded because we had to launch it fast. Yeah. But uh, what we could do is 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 see. So for me, I was really I used to be really bad at marketing, but right. in the last two years, I've turned into a. I suppose I would turn into a bit of a digital nomad forward right. slash learn yeah. what works in the digital world. Yeah. And hey, you know what? It's paid off through the hard work that we've done and through me and my team. Yeah, and it's it's basically taking action, trying something, um, analyzing the results, and tweaking as necessary. Hundred percent experimentation. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, no, it's it's, um, and as you said, the more failures you have, then the more successful you're going to be. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at them as as failures. I I think is something you sort of propose, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. Obviously, the whole um, the usual thing of their learning opportunities and things. So, um, yeah, now, I'm actually intrigued because you do write a lot and you've got article. You've, I mean, you've written two books and you've got a third one due out fairly shortly. And um, and you also 
get into loads of magazines. You're on the front cover of magazines. You're writing articles that are being published. Where did you learn that skill? How did you learn that skill? It's not it's not really a skill as such. Like, again, um, for me, every business goes through cycles, right? Yeah. So um, for us, um, in our business, for example, we have mainly an international uh, reach. That's mainly our, yeah. that's what we do. Yeah. Um, and so with regards to how do I get into uh, magazines, how do I get writing books and stuff like that? So as you know, as you've pointed out, I've got my third book coming out in October of this year, yeah. uh, which was a co-collab book, believe it or not. Uh-huh. So what we'll do is me and my publisher yeah. will create a big marketing strategy and a plan, which we've already got, and then a right. PR strategy, which will then will attract journalists, which will attract PR, which will yeah. attract attention, uh, not yeah. just to me, but also to our contributing authors as well. So again, right. like I said, it's not about me. It's about working together in synergy, uh, yeah. which be- because at the end of the day, we all want success. We all working yeah. towards a common goal. Hey, why yeah. can't you do it together type of thing? Yeah. So, so you're feeding off each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And things, but the other two books you've written on your own, haven't you? Correct. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so the first one came out, I believe it was 2014 and then another one, 2017. Right. Okay. So how did you come to write those? You just decided one day, I need to get this out of her. Uh, well, first book, believe it or not, was uh, w- when I made a transition yeah. from a previous industry of, uh, well, I suppose, sports performance coaching yeah. um, into what we do now. Um, mm-hmm. We went on this, uh, I call it an accelerator program, where right. one of the processes was is they get you to write a book so yeah. that you can stamp your authority in a particular industry or whatever it is or niche. Yeah. Um, so I decided to do that. Yeah. Um, for me, I have never, I never wrote a book, never thought I'd write a book. No. Um, but um, the first book was mainly specifically targeted towards uh, professional um, executive men and women in the city yeah. that wanted to basically get themselves in shape so it was more kind of around corporate well-being things like that Uh, and then we relaunched uh, the second version of that book and it was more guided towards HR directors and teams right Um, Uh and now obviously we've now adapted our model uh, now on this particular book that's coming out which is more guided towards again established business owners and how to become more resourceful and adaptful in an ever-changing environment Right. Okay. Because, um, yeah, so that's that's interesting, the whole evolution and now the collaboration. And if you were going on to write a fourth book, would you do that again as a collaboration or would you do it on your own? Good question. Um, do you know, I, I don't know the answer to that right now, if I'm honest with no. you, uh, purely, really? because, purely because, uh, you know, the third one's coming out, um, we'll probably have a, an audio book. Um, I'm thinking about, um, I, I've actually got another passion project, which we've launched actually in the last sort of four weeks or so, right. uh, which is all around um, saving the world's oceans of plastic pollution. So mm. that's kind of a, a passion project, which I've kind of fallen into. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm going to be working on that um, and uh, going to be blowing that out to the, to the media and the journalists as well. So that, yeah, I'm super excited about that because yeah. that's a real, real world problem. 
Um, and so and we, we've created a piece of, uh, we, we're actually going to be creating a piece of AI and data where we can collect information about how to get to the core source of the problem so that we can fix, uh, fix, these, fix these challenges. Yeah, no, I'd be interested to learn more about that. So please keep in touch because um, well I, I used to be a scuba instructor, <laughs> one of my oh. other roles. So the world's oceans are something that I'm actually, yeah, have a vested interest in, if you like. Um, things. There was, um, yeah, so one of the other things that I wanted to just quickly touch on, because we are nearly out of time, I can't believe how quickly this hour has gone, is about keeping how keeping fit can benefit your business because it's actually something that I'm quite um, under the radar passionate about but it's so it's always lovely to hear from somebody else who shares similar values yeah I mean listen I mean this year in particular and last year you know people mm. begin to realize that self-care uh, yeah. is one of the most important especially from a mental health perspective yeah. um, and you know, we we now know. Uh, well, I, I've known for many years, but we now know, as individuals, as human beings, that the more fit we are mentally, yeah. physically, spiritually, and emotionally, that yeah. pays dividends uh, with profitability um, yeah. with regards to your actual own company. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and a lot of corporate companies have really invested a lot into programs which is all guided mm -hmm. towards supporting their employees or their team um, yeah. to be able to uh, give them the right resources you know and there's a lot of now there's a lot of research uh, there's a lot of research coming out now which is um, proven like the four-day work week is actually much more productive than a five-day uh -huh. so in iceland yeah. for example they carried out a study on a number of companies they found that doing yeah. four-day work week uh, Monday to Thursday, nine and a half hours was far more productive than doing five, eight hour work days. Um, so a lot of companies are beginning to, yeah, and also with flexible working and working from yeah. home and, you yeah. know, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, um, we're all human beings, we're not robots. <laughs> exactly. So for you, it's about mental fitness as well as actual physical fitness. Hundred uh, yeah. percent. It all it all fits into uh, it all fits into like a big. It, it all fits into into one at the end of the day. You know, I'm not yeah. talking about physical fitness, mental fitness, emotional, spiritual fitness. They've all got a. Yeah. They've all they all play an important role in terms yeah. of your own well being, but also how that pays dividends in terms of your increased productivity and profitability in your business as well. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I had I was just my um, I have a physical products business that COVID decimated because it's mascara. Mascara means face mask in Spanish. So it's a, a COVID-19 sensitive word. <laughs> so it can't be advertised on Google. So I was a bit fed up and miserable and brainstormed and built this community that we're in tonight. Cool. And yeah, but. There was still something going on. There was still something holding me back. So um, at the end of May, actually, I took one step back and thought, you know what? I need to work on me again. I've been sort of dilly-dallying about working on me. And I took, I decided to invest in me and become single-minded about me and um, and how I was um how I was feeling and I actually put myself on a, a strict diet um started moving more drinking more water the sleep is still a work in progress <laughs> but oh my golly the 
energy, the lack of brain fog, how it translates. Because I'm taking care of me, I've got better boundaries. It's incredible how the impacts and knock-on effects it has. Absolutely. Clears your mind. And that's that's the thing. Like you can... The thing is, is that work will never go away. We can, we're all going to become so overwhelmed, right? Yeah. And what made me laugh, actually, it kind of made me laugh. I remember in the news, actually, where they were mm-hmm. interviewing business owners and entrepreneurs, where yeah. they were basically saying, oh, you know, my work week has basically, um, you know, uh, tripled or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I, I can't think. I, I, but the reality is, is that when you run your own business, you have the flexibility to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. And it's it's your choice at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter about the economic, you know, things that's happening in the world. You still have a choice. Yeah. Um, and that's what people have to realize, you know. Um, ultimate, you know, we were living in Cyprus for the last seven months and wow. I was a digital nomad, you know. Yeah. So, again, I was uh, we had the opportunity to do to have a great life. But that's because yeah. we chose that life. Anyone yeah. could choose that life too, based yeah. on choices. Uh, but it's up to, up to the individual, of course. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm with you on that. But anyway, we have actually just gone over the hour. So I would like to say a huge thank you um, for joining me this evening and giving up your time. Um, and um, especially as it's your last night in the UK before you head back to Sweden. Um, yep. Yep. So um, thank you. If anybody has got any last minute questions for Adam, then if you're very quick and post them in. Otherwise, we'll wrap up for this evening and I will see you back here next week at seven o'clock with um, yeah, f- fascinating. Um, Elizabeth actually used to be a PT, so she's um, all been about um, physical well-being. She's now moved into helping people eat a a better diet for themselves and move more and um, and things. And then David, who's joined us this evening, is um, heavily into his um, rugby league, I believe. (laughs) Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, exactly. So very much into that whole discipline of training and looking after themselves. Right, guys, I will see you back here next week. And thank you very much for joining us. And, um, yeah, we will have a fantastic week and weekend. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.